I feel so blessed to live in British Columbia, where the glory of creation is all around us. But when I was young, I didn't realize how special this was. I barely even noticed the towering Douglas fir trees in my neighborhood. I was just too focused on television and other indoor activities. It wasn't until returning from a three-month trip to Europe in my early 20s that I was suddenly gripped by the beauty of the British Columbian landscape. As I flew into my hometown on Vancouver Island and looked out the window, the sheer number of trees took my breath away. When we notice the beauty of creation, our hearts may be filled with wonder. At the same time, the current climate crisis might be filling our hearts with fear. Even in our province, we have seen some spike events of the effects of climate change. The 2021 heat dome caused over 600 deaths in BC. And around the world, these aren't just the odd occasion, it is their daily experience facing drought, flooding, and storms that are supersized due to climate change. We have good reason to be concerned about the state of the planet. Yet, we also have reason for hope because God loves his creation and has promised to renew the earth. Let's turn in the Bible to Romans 8, verses 18 to 26. Hear the word of the Lord. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Let's pray. Creator God, we look to you as our hope, not only for our own lives, but for all creation. We ask that you speak to us today. Renew our minds, transform our hearts, and lead us to join you in the renewal of all things. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are currently in a sermon series on the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And today is Good Seed Sunday, a day when we celebrate God as creator and remember our calling to take care of the earth. So the sermon today is going to bring together these two themes. And the good news that I want to share with you is that God loves his creation and calls us to join in the renewal of the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we explore the Spirit's renewal of the earth and our part in that as Spirit-filled people, I want to take you on a journey from your head to your heart and to your hands. So let's begin with our head. A biblical view of creation shapes our understanding of the earth and our relationship to it. The theme of creation is woven all the way through the Bible, but of course, we find it right on page one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Genesis 1 continues with God creating light and sky and land and filling the earth with plants and animals of every kind. With everything that God made, he sees that it is good. He delights in his creation. And then God creates human beings in his own image to take care of the earth. The picture we get in Genesis 2 is of human beings as gardeners who cultivate the land. There's this original mutual relationship between all humanity and creation that we care for the land and the land cares for us, providing food for us to eat. But this original harmony is disrupted. People sinned against God. Instead of trusting God and following his ways, people doubted God's goodness and made a selfish choice. We all make selfish choices sometimes. And human sin damages all kinds of relationships. It damages our relationship with God, our relationship with ourself, our relationship with other people, and sin damages our relationship with the earth. There are consequences to our sin. That's why, as it says in Romans 8, that the creation is subjected to frustration and in bondage to decay. When the Apostle Paul wrote these words 2,000 years ago, he obviously didn't have our current climate crisis in mind. However, the heart of the matter is the same. Human sin and selfishness are devastating the earth. We see the devastating impacts of human sin on the earth, even in the Old Testament. For example, Hosea 4, 1-3 says, Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you, saying, There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. You make vows and break them. You kill and steal and commit adultery. There is violence everywhere, one murder after another. That is why your land is mourning. And everyone is wasting away. Even the wild animals, the birds of the sky, and the fish of the sea are disappearing. 
we have seen the disappearance of God's creatures in a generation. According to what I read from the World Wildlife Fund, since the 1970s, we have lost nearly 70% of the world's wildlife population. And according to biologos.org, on average, one species is going extinct every hour. That's alarming. And I think it breaks God's heart to see his creatures decimated. And while creation is groaning, humanity is suffering as well. It is often the poorest communities who experience the most devastating impacts of climate change. People who depend directly on the land are being devastated by drought, forced into poverty as their crops fail or starvation. I heard about this area in Ethiopia that has seen only seven days of rain in three years. Their animals are literally shriveling and dying. Some herds people who had thousands of animals now only have two or three. The people are fighting over whatever groundwater remains in nearby villages. In other parts of the world, homes are being destroyed by floods and these huge storms. God cares about the countless lives of people who suffer as creation suffers. Without God, we might be simply hopeless at this point. It looks like the world is heading for disaster. But the groaning of creation and the suffering of humanity are not the end. Hear Romans 8, verses 19 to 21 again. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Creation is eagerly waiting. It will be liberated. God has a glorious future planned for his creation. We human beings are part of creation as creatures made by God and together with creation we share a common future of glory and freedom. Creation suffers now, but it will be renewed. God is committed to bringing flourishing and freedom to all that he has made. So the picture we get at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation is of heaven coming to earth. Heaven and earth as one. God dwelling in the midst of his people. We will have resurrected bodies and along with the rest of creation we will be liberated from our bondage to decay as Christ comes again to finally restore all things. Can I get an amen? That's, that's some good news. <laughs> So with that understanding, we move from our head to our heart. We move from this understanding of God making the world and loving the world 
that creation is good, that we have been placed on earth to care for it, that our sin is damaging the earth, and yet God is faithful and will restore the earth. Let's move from our head to our heart. Many people have different feelings about creation. Some are a little apathetic, not really caring how we treat the earth. Others are angry about how horribly we treat the earth. And many these days are afraid about the future of the planet. I heard about a study recently where many young people are saying that they're thinking about not having kids because what future will there be? Wherever you land on the spectrum, from apathy to anger to fear, and maybe something else, maybe some hope or peace, I encourage you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the very characteristics of Christ, and they become part of our character as we grow in Christ-likeness by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We tend to think of the fruit of the Spirit in terms of our relationship with other people, and that's a given. But could it be that the Spirit also grows these fruit in us in our relationship with the earth? That we would love the earth and be filled with joy as we play in creation and delight in its beauty. That we would have a peaceful and harmonious relationship with the planet. That we would be patient about what takes time as things slowly grow. That we would be kind and good towards the earth, being faithful to our calling to care for it with gentleness and self-control. I think the Spirit is growing fruit in us, both in our relationships with people and our relationship with all creation. And the Holy Spirit can transform our hearts. I think the most important thing we can do to care for the earth is to grow a love for creation. Because if we truly love it, we will be more likely to take care of it. How can we grow a love for creation? We can spend time outside, climb mountains, or enjoy the beauty of the mountains from afar. Go for a stroll through a city park where we see God's handiwork and human cultivation come together beautifully. Breathe in the fresh air of the forest. Listen to the birds in the trees. Have a picnic at the beach. Go swimming or kayaking in the ocean. Pay attention to the details in creation, the flight of a hummingbird, the trumpet-like shape of a daffodil, the veins in a leaf, the shapes of clouds. There is beauty all around us if we have eyes to see. Will you notice God's handiwork around you? Our society spends a lot of time indoors, and it can be difficult to care for creation when we're kept at a distance from it. So I encourage you to grow a love for creation by enjoying time outside and worshiping your creator with wonder and with gratitude for all that he has made. 
In addition to our own hearts, we can also help cultivate a love for creation in the hearts of the next generation. Recently, 10th Kids had an activity where the kids were given some beans and taught how to germinate them and plant them. And my kids were so excited to show me the beans that they got at church. And their excitement just grew as they saw these beans sprouting and emerging from the soil after they planted them. Whether you have kids of your own, or you have nieces and nephews, or know young people through church, or other circles, you can help foster a love for creation. Taking care of plants and watching them grow can be fun for all ages. Of course, when young people are uh, caught up in technology and things like that, they might have a hard time seeing the value of plants. But maybe a fun adventure on a ski trip or paddling a kayak or going camping will get them outside enjoying creation. There are so many different ways that we can help grow a love for the earth, both for ourselves and for others. So with an understanding of our relationship to the earth and a growing love for creation, let's move from our head and our heart to our hands. While the Holy Spirit does work independently of people, we have a role to play in the Spirit's renewal of the earth. God often chooses human agency to accomplish his purposes in the world. So in a sense, our hands become the hands of the Holy Spirit. God uses our collective efforts worldwide to take care of this planet. The Holy Spirit gives each of us different gifts and passions, abilities and experiences. So there's a variety of ways that we can do our part. And this is brilliant because we need a multifaceted approach to caring for creation. So if you love gardening or landscaping, tree planting or caring for indoor plants, the world needs you. If you grow food or raise livestock, the world needs you. If you are an indigenous knowledge keeper of the land, the world needs you. If you are a scientist, the world needs you. We need all kinds of people working in all kinds of ways to care for the earth. We need business people who make environmental stewardship part of the bottom line. We need designers and engineers who build things like electric vehicles and e-bikes and electric scooters and trains. We, we need voters, politicians, and advocates who care about the earth. We need people who build infrastructure for renewable energy. We need educators who shape the hearts and minds of young people towards a sustainable future. We need relief and development workers who combat the effects of climate change on affected communities around the world. We need ordinary people taking personal action even when it feels like a drop in the bucket. Because with enough drops, a bucket eventually fills to the brim. So I want to share with you just a handful of personal actions that you could consider taking. One simple action that also saves you some money is to reduce your use of electricity. 
Some of the ways I try to do this are by simply turning off lights when I leave a room, using primarily LED lights, putting on a sweater instead of turning up the heat, hanging laundry to dry instead of using the machine, and generally trying to use my hands more than machines as much as possible. I don't do any of these things perfectly, but I try to do my part. Another simple action is to reduce your use of throwaway items by taking a water bottle with you wherever you go, by bringing containers with you to restaurants for any leftovers that you might bring home, by bringing your own cup and straw for bubble tea or for frappuccinos, by bringing your own mug to coffee shops and to church. We can bring mugs to church, right guys? We do have compostable cups, but what's better than compostable is reusable. Recently, we treated a friend to some sushi, and she brought her own reusable chopsticks. And I was just so proud of her. Just these little things that seem like a drop in the bucket, but when we do them, when we model them, when we talk about them, our influence spreads, and these drops in the bucket multiply. One way you can care for the earth is by reducing, reusing, and recycling any soft plastics that you have. Uh, first, reduce it by avoiding packaging as much as possible, bringing reusable bags places. But if you do happen to get a plastic bag, you can reuse it as a garbage bag rather than buying other bags to put garbage in. And any soft plastics that you can't reuse, you could take to the Zero Waste Center down on Marine Drive and Yukon, which, by the way, is right across the street from the TNT grocery store. So I'll often take a box of soft plastics, styrofoam, batteries, whatever the city doesn't collect, take it to the Zero Waste on the same trip as going shopping at TNT. So that's a little, little trick that you can all uh, try out yourselves. One way we can care for creation quite literally is by gardening, getting our hands in the soil. We used to live at a community house with a large backyard, so we planted a vegetable garden and some fruit trees. Now, gardening is a lot of work, or at least it can be, but it's good work. There's a joy to planting, watering, weeding, and harvesting. I feel more connected with the earth when I am participating in growing my own food. There's an excitement to seeing a ripe tomato on the vine. And there's nothing like the taste of a homegrown strawberry. It literally makes me sing and dance. I once tasted the most delicious strawberry and started singing, heaven, I'm in heaven. It was just that good. But since moving from this house to an apartment with no outdoor space for us, we've planted a garden at a friend's house. So if you want to get into gardening but don't have space, maybe you have a friend with some space. Or maybe you could get involved in a community garden in your neighborhood. Or you could simply get started with some houseplants. Beyond all that I've shared so far, I think the greatest impact we can have is to reduce our dependency on fossil fuels, which would mean that we walk, bike, and take public transit more, or that we buy an electric or hybrid vehicle or use things like car share. Back in uh, 2019, I bought an e-bike that can fit both of my kids on the back. This thing even has a little shelter that keeps the rain off of the kids so I can use it more often with less complaints. And uh, so I'll try to take, this, uh, take them to school on it most days and then bike to work. 
And I, I do this almost all year round, except for when it gets close to freezing, because then it's a little unsafe, especially with kids on it. Uh, it took a bit of getting used to commuting by bike. I have to schedule in a little bit of extra time, but it's not as much time as you might think. I have to pack a change of clothes, and here in Vancouver, I do have to put on rain gear and convince myself that it's not so bad to ride in the rain. But I've grown to love it. When I am riding my bike, I feel joy in my heart. Even with a little bit of light rain, I feel some joy. What is torrential downpour? It's a little bit harder, but it's not as miserable as you might think if you got some decent rain gear. Whereas when I'm driving, I tend to feel kind of stressed. And the cost of the bike was nothing compared to the savings that it brings over time, especially with the rising price of gas these days. And the slight inconvenience of commuting by bike is far outweighed by the value of caring for creation. So how might you join the spirit in renewing the earth? I've shared a lot of ideas here. There's a lot more that we could talk about. Perhaps some of you are already doing many of these things. Uh, I encourage you to start small and slowly add more over time. There's no rush, there's no pressure, but we can all do something. As you consider this for yourself, let's watch a brief video of some people from our church community who share about how creation care intersects with their lives. I was a mission pastor in my church so that I, I was in, responsible to manage uh, and organize a mission conference every year. During one of the mission conference in the church, I stand just behind the congregation, seeing hundreds of people attending the, the events, and we're talking about saving the world, trying to uh, uh, preach the gospel. Just after the refreshment time, and we have all those, I mean, cell phone plates and cups and things that are sort of piled up into the garbage. I just have an image dawn on me. How come we are talking about saving the world, but actually at the same time trashing it. After the event, I went after all those garbage bins and collecting all those styrofoam plates and cups and clean them and then, and then take them to the municipal depot. I've done it for the following nine months, every weekend after the church and then collecting them. And then as it turned out, I collect all those data and present it to the board of elders. Let them see, okay, every week we have created such a mess. What are we going to do with it? So my design team is called UBC Waste Knots, and I've been part of it for the last three years. It's a design team that focuses on principles of a circular economy, and we manage five different projects that all uh, use a source of waste and turn it into another valuable resource. One of them being turning paper into concrete. Um, another project is looking at recycling textile waste, uh, which is a project that I was really passionate about. That's definitely where I feel like my engineering degree comes into play, because I'm, I'm learning a lot about the material properties of different materials. Materials. Clothing that are blended, such as cotton and polyester, which is a really popular and common blend, oftentimes ends up in the landfill just because of how resource intensive it is to recycle. So now when I'm buying new clothing, I'm definitely more aware of the material that it's made from. And I try to buy uh, clothes that are made from a single material because it's just easier for um, recycling and end of life processes. 
We're often living in a bubble. Everybody's right. It's fine. I mean, it's our home. But at the same time, out there is much more than just our home. And going there to see, to understand, to appreciate the surrounding, the forest, the garden, the beaches, have a mind of okay, what kind of tree is it? What kind of bird would that be? The flowers. What are their names? I'm not a birder. But I try to learn because um, if you have more understanding of your place, then you'll be able to love it and to devise some actions or plan or something, even small, small steps. Because that understanding will be the foundation for our love and for our actions. A really practical step that I took was starting a minor in urban studies at UBC. And so this minor, I hope to learn more about Vancouver, learn more about our city and the needs and how I can use my degree and use my voice to serve our community and to love our community better. Whatever caring for the world looks like can be different for, for everyone. Um, and for me, that just means living a lifestyle that is honoring to the earth and is honoring to um, the people around me and to most importantly to our creator. God loves his creation and he calls us to join him in renewing the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit. The total renewal of the earth is something that God will do when Jesus comes again. We can have hope for a future. The weight of the world is not on our own shoulders, but we do have a role to play. Each of us can use our hands to care for creation in our own backyard. There's so much more that can be said about caring for creation. I encourage you to keep learning. If you go to 10th.ca slash creation, you will see links to videos you can watch, talks you can listen to, books you can read, and some simple actions that you can take. Let's all prayerfully consider how we can join God in renewing the earth. Let's pray. God, you are the creator of all things, and you have placed us on earth to take care of your creation. Would you continue to restore our relationship with the earth along with our relationship with you? Open our eyes to the beauty and wonder of what you have made. Transform our hearts to love your creation, and lead us by your spirit to join in the renewal of the earth. God, even now, in a brief moment of silence, would you speak to us and bring to mind even just one thing that we can do? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.